What is up, Fantasy Land? We got my man Dan Williamson in the chat. We got uh, Adam Levitan ready to talk it out. Uh, I'm excited for today. You excited, Dan? Oh, definitely, definitely. Been looking forward Adam, to this all day. Adam, how you doing today? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Let's get after it, guys. And uh, this is going to be a fun show. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. So our guest today doesn't really need much of an introduction. Uh, you, you've seen him all, all over. Um, so now he's doing fantastic work with Establish the Run, putting out weekly podcasts. Some of the best content in the industry is coming out of the ETR right now. Um, we're really happy to have Adam back in the district. He came on uh, this summer, and we had a really fun podcast. But I think we got to focus a little bit on FFPC because we have FFPC Championship Week. Dan and I are in a main event final uh, this week. And Adam, you this summer got into a little, I wouldn't call it Twitter beef. I would call it friendly competition with uh, multiple GOAT District uh, guest, uh, Chad Schrader. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how that league is going up when, with you guys going up against Chad? Um, are you guys tilting this week? This is a big one for you. Yeah. I, the only thing that I, I'd say about, about that is, um, so like th they're – there's no doubt that the people playing high stakes uh, season long have uh, and are good at it, have a, a really big edge. Um, my point with a lot of the season long stuff was that if all the DFS guys, if all the high stakes and best DFS guys started playing season long, it would be real, real, real tough. And so if we had every FFPC main event, every FFPC 10K with all the, C with all the DFS guys in there and actually trying their hardest, I'm not sure that very many people would be making money, beating the rake, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that was my, that was my only point. It's like, you know, uh, I, I think some of the season gone guys just don't know what it's like to battle for at like the highest thing against like no fish whatsoever, right? So I was like, fine, let's play a 10K and let's, you know, let's get in there and battle. And so we played the, we, we got the 10K and we have the side action uh, against Chad as well. And, and credit to Chad, his team is awesome. He's done an, an, an amazing amazing job and he's currently beating us we have a side bet week to week i think we're up seven six right now in week to week but he has us in total points and so he's going to beat us uh out of some money there on the side bet and, and credit to him he, he was great i think we had uh, a pretty good team too but but yeah it's it's i like playing high stakes obviously and like um yeah it's been fun i i've never really played 
like high stakes that uh, a season long that seriously uh, before. So me and Leone and Dink have been have been managing the team. And, and yeah, it's been fun for sure. We do have JT who has a bye this week, but we have already uh, locked up a, a playoff berth there. So um, we're not sweating it too much. Nice. You definitely have good partners on that team. I've competed against Leone in a bunch of NFFCs and, and he's definitely, definitely a super, super sharp in the high stakes streets. Um, Dan, we're, we're button heads with Chad in, in two leagues now. Um, I've been too many leagues against Chad um, lifetime, but we, we've made a, we made a little bit more of a run um, recently. Dan, maybe you want to talk about those teams? Yeah. So, um, you know, Right now, right now we've got uh, the varsity team, which we're in fifth place, um, and getting close to third place. This is a, a 17 week season. There's no head to head or anything like that. It's just basically total points. It's kind of like a, almost a best ball, except that you got waivers and, and starting lineups. Um, and, and that's a 3K we split yep. with Andrew Schellenberg. Yeah, and that one's uh, that one's been a lot of fun. I mean, we we have like the deepest stable of wide receivers ever, uh, which has been somewhat of a blessing and somewhat of a curse because every week it's like there's always there's always whatever receiver, you know, scores the most always seems to be the one on our bench. So um, it's, it's it's just the way it goes. You either don't have enough starting options or you have too many and, and right. you have to do start sets. At, at, at one point, you know, in like week three, I'm like, this, this team needs buys to start quickly um, so we can figure out our starting lineup a little easier. And then we have we have the FFPC final where we're going up against Biplap Mandel, um, and we felt a lot better about our running backs last week. Uh, Dan, this is a little choppy right now. Go from Jonathan Taylor and, and and Ken Walker down to you know the bottom of the barrel. We're going to start Latavius Murray. It looks like it's uh, it's a little choppy. Yeah, yeah. We we won't even say who we're starting with our second we, running back. We'll keep that. We'll, we don't want Bip to get overconfident, so we're going to keep that one close to the vest. Adam, yes. I know you're a big Ken Walker guy. Did were, were are you uh, adding any of the Seattle uh, kind of replacement backs? Um, and would you have a, a pivot? You're you're looking at Travis Homer if he if he gets kind of a, a load. How would you view him? Yeah, I, I think Travis Homer is way better than Tony Jones, and, and you know I, I think we've seen. Because Gino's playing so well, we've seen Seattle actually let Gino cook. Whereas in the past, they like they didn't let Russ cook. It's crazy, but Gino is playing at like a legit top five level. I don't think you have to ask them twice to have like a positive six, like positive ten percent PROE pass rate over expectation. And so if Travis Homer is the feature back, that's even more reason to throw it even more. So I like Seattle pass game a lot here against Carolina. And you know, like in these kind of games where you think you're going to drop it back a lot, of course you're going to play Travis Homer over. Tony Jones, who I think is just a better player anyway. So, yeah, I don't think Travis Homer will get more than 9, 10, 11 carries, but he can also catch three or four balls, and that's a pretty fine week. No, I, I think that's okay. Yeah, he could fall into RB2 land. Um, I think you kind of, I could kind of picture that. Uh, it'll be interesting. Um, I wanted to get both your guys' reactions to last night's game. That was an incredibly wild Thursday night game. Uh, you got Sean McVay attempting, you know, 61-yard field goals, uh, the game looked to be completely uh, decided. Dan turned off the game, started watching the news. And then we get Baker with just having his, like, one shining moment, the walk-off touchdown. Josh McDaniel finds another way to lose a, a football game. It's just it's just brutal. Adam, any, any reactions from last night? Yeah, I think uh, in a Rams situation, like, they don't have that many injuries. But when you're so thin, in other words, they trade away all their picks. They have like no depth whatsoever. I mean, they're really, really bad. Like, I don't think they're as bad as the Texans, 
but it's not that 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 far off with the team they fielded last night, especially at the skill position. I mean, my God, they're they're so so bad. But I don't know, man. I, you know, NFL games are crazy. Raiders outplayed them massively. You know, Raiders deserve to win the game. It just shows you like a small sample NFL game is like the people don't want to accept the randomness that comes with one NFL football game that speaks to real NFL uh, and to fantasy for sure. Dan, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, McDaniels did a lot to lose that game. Um, you know, just not being aggressive enough and everything else. I mean, you know, Twitter's been all over it all all, all day long. But, uh, you know, it, it, it just kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, sometimes you do have to uh, just be aggressive and just go out, you know, and, and, and try, to, try to actually win the game instead of trying to just not lose it. Um, you know, and that's... That, that seems to have been a consistent problem with uh, the Raiders all year long. So, uh, you know, hats off to McVay. Um, hopefully Baker uh, looks just as good after a couple weeks of actually studying the playbook or 11 days or whatever it is. Um, but uh, you, you kind of wonder if uh, he's maybe not better off just, you know, getting out there and chucking the ball. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I got to say it's, it's a really tilting way to start the week on the teams that I have Devontae Adams where he was outscored by Daniel Carlson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a, just a tough way, tough way to get it going. But uh, I wanted to uh, focus on a, on a better offense here. Uh, establish the run puts out a rest of the season, top 150. It's a really great tool. You guys are continually updating it. And then you're doing podcasts where uh, you guys usually have a group of guys talking about your changes. And I think that's really, really helpful. Uh, sitting at the top of the rankings right now is Travis Kelsey. Adam, is this the best fantasy uh, season you've ever seen from a tight end? Uh, and how impactful will, will Travis Kelsey be on fantasy titles this season? The fantasy playoff schedule for them is the Texans, the Seahawks, and the Broncos. And they get Denver this week as well. Right. So it's pretty clear on Travis Kelsey, right? Like You don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand that you don't have to have the best fantasy season ever to be the most valuable fantasy season ever. In other words, like every time somebody out there trots out like Gerald Everett or whatever, and you have Travis Kelsey, you like start the week with an expected edge of, you know, 12, 13, 14 points, which is absolutely insane in no other spot. And running back quarterback would be really rare, like wide receiver. It just doesn't happen like that, where like you're literally 10 to 12 points behind a projection, at least before the matchup even starts. And so to me, Travis Kelsey this year is the most valuable player maybe I've ever seen his best ball advance rate. I think Josh Jacobs best ball advance rate is higher but Travis Kelsey's, I was shocked that it wasn't higher than Josh Jacobs. Like, I think it's really hard not to have a good team with Travis Kelsey, especially in best ball, but also in, in head-to-head as well. Now, does that mean that going forward, it will be that advantage? I don't know. Tyler Huntley certainly played well with Mark Andrews. I think we're getting some other tight ends into the mix as well. But yeah, I mean, right now, I think the most valuable player in fantasy is Travis Kelsey. Not the best player, but the most valuable player. Yeah, he gives you such an incredible edge. Uh, he would be, in terms of points per game, he would be running back three overall, and he would be wide receiver five overall. And now with Cooper Cup out, he'd be wide receiver four. So it's it's just incredible for uh, a tight end to be giving you that many points per game, especially in FFPC uh, with a tight end premium. Dan, what, what are your thoughts on, on the season we're seeing from him, maybe in a historical context, or, or you just want to focus on this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, 
Gronk had some some great seasons back in the day too. But you yeah. know what it, what it is with Kelsey is you've got the confluence of Kelsey having a great season and the entire rest of the position just having a crap season. Uh, you know I'm I'm not sure I've seen a season like this where basically uh, tight ends you know two through infinity all suck this bad. Uh, you know it it just makes it really hard because if you know if you don't have Kelsey you're fighting so hard to try to recapture. Uh, the edge that that Kelsey owner's got on you because it's basically like he's, you know, anytime you play the Kelsey owner, it's like you're playing your 10 starters against his 11, um, pretty much. So it's it's like having that extra starter out there. It's Kelsey. Kelsey right now would be would be tight end four and tight end eight combined in terms of points per game. It's just it's just nuts. Yeah. Um, wanted to also talk to you a little bit about the team that Kansas City played this week. We saw Joe Burrow and the Bengals defeat Kelsey Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Joe Burrow is now 3-0 versus the Chiefs in his career. Uh, from a, like an NFL perspective, do you view the Bengals getting closer and closer to the Bills and the Chiefs in terms of who you would pick to get out of the AFC for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I still think the Bills are the best team. Uh, I know the Bills don't have the best record right now, but I still still think the Bills are the best team. Bengals, as they showed last year, I mean, when Joe Burrow gets it going, and Joe Burrow has some insane games. Like, I think he has four or five 400-yard, three-touchdown games already in his career. I mean, that's absolutely insane. And I think when you get Jamar Chase into the mix there, it just raises his ceiling so much more. And I thought Jamar Chase looked really healthy last week as well. So, yeah, I, I don't really see how you can say many bad things uh, about the Bengals right now, but I still think that straight up, I, w- I would think the Bills, uh, Bills are better. Yeah, Dan, would you agree on that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I, I, I think overall, I think the Chiefs are also a better team than the Bengals, but obviously, you know, the Bengals have kind of figured out how to beat the Chiefs. And, you know, when you're, when you're in a head-to-head matchup, that's what matters. Um so I, I'm sure the Chiefs are probably hoping that if uh, their path through the playoffs does not include the Bengals, uh, they'd probably feel a little more comfortable playing the Bills, uh, even though I, I totally agree with Adam that I think the Bills probably are the best uh, complete team in the uh, in the AFC. Yeah, I, for, for me, I, I agree with you guys. I think that they're, they're a step behind uh, the big two, despite the success against Kansas City. Uh, they definitely you know will have to go on the road as well. Uh, and I think that the X factor would be kind of Jamar Chase. You know, if he if he comes back and just goes absolutely nuts, uh, I think that, you know, he could elevate that team. But I, I agree with you guys. Um, wanted to get your, your thoughts on Chase, though. You know, he came back, looked great, and he actually saw a full workload. Um, I know you guys mentioned you thought that he was maybe ready to go. Um, I think it was you and, you and Evan mentioned that you thought he was ready to go maybe a week before, mm-hmm. and they were just cautious with him. Is this the the QB wide receiver combo you would most want right now, or do you think it's still maybe you give me your favorite QB wide receiver combo right now, Adam, that you'd be most comfortable having for the rest of the season? Yeah, uh, I don't know all the matchups offhand because I'm not one of these crazy best ball season long bros that has every like week 15, 16, 17 matchup uh, memorized. Uh, I'm taking matchup averse, week- just you know, <laughs> out t- in, a, in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking it week to week on the DFS stuff, but yeah, I think that. Um, look, man, I, it's hard to not say that the best fantasy quarterback wide receiver combo is Jamar is Josh Allen and Steph Diggs because Josh Allen gives you the rushing equity that Joe Burrow 
does not, right? And so, like, if you have those guys, even on games where the pass game isn't clicking, it's really hard, I think, for Josh Allen to fail and score less than 20 because you know that he's he's running plenty, right? And so, like, Joe Burrow can certainly have more floor games from a wide receiver perspective. I mean, you know, the Steph Diggs stuff, Steph Diggs reminds me of CeeDee Lamb uh, this year a little bit. Like, CeeDee Lamb's been awesome. His end-of-the-year stats are going to look great. He's only had, like, one spike week, I think, CeeDee Lamb or maybe two. And that's kind of Steph Diggs last year. We had an awesome season, didn't have any spike weeks. This year, Steph Diggs has been having spike weeks left and right. And so I, I think the Josh Allen, Steph Diggs one is the best. I don't like the spot for them this week, you know, against the Jets. And we've also seen the Bills get a little more run heavy lately, which uh, I think is purposeful, not just because of the elbow, but because um, they want to run the ball a little bit more generally. So, yeah, it's definitely close. Uh, I would still take Allen and Diggs. What about you, Dan? Yeah, same. I'm I'm going Diggs Allen there pretty decisively. Um, you know, Hertz Brown can can really blow up, but uh, also you know it, it can be just a lot of Hertz running and uh, not so much AJ Brown. Um, and and with Burrow, I mean, you know, Higgins can have big games. Uh, Mixon can have big games, which you don't see quite as much with the Bills. You know, usually if Allen is uh, cooking, Diggs is probably cooking too. So. Uh, that, I'd, I'd just go that way. And it, it, as uh, Adam said, you know, Josh Allen's running ability uh, on top of that is just, a, you know, the ice, icing on the cake. Yeah, and then just to, I would go with, with your guys' thoughts. I would go with with Diggs and Allen. I think it's just such, a, such an advantage. I have one Diggs and Allen team still rocking in the football, guys. It's very dangerous. Um, if we threw Kelsey Mahomes in that mix, which way would you guys go with that one? Hmm. Kelsey Mahomes for me. Yeah. The, the way that Kansas City's passing the ball, like, I mean, they, they hate their running backs. I mean, they, they, it was up to them. I feel like they wouldn't throw uh, – they wouldn't run the ball ever. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I think that uh, that Mahomes-Kelsey with the positional scarcity and their throw rate is probably best. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you on that one. Uh, it's definitely a, a great year to have stacked one of these uh, big-time QB uh, receiver uh, combinations. I want to get to the chat real quick. The chat is lit right now. Uh, I'm covering Adam's face, but Jim896 uh, says, Deontay Foreman, DJ Moore, DJ Shark, Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, uh, full PPR start two. Maybe, Dan, you can take this one. Uh, all right. I'm going to take it off Adam's face first. <laughs> okay. Wait, you got to put it back. I didn't okay, see it. Okay, all right, here we go. All right. Sorry, Adam. You're just you're just gonna have to be anonymous. He's here behind Deonta Foreman right now. <laughs> Man, I I mean, I think if if Judy's healthy, he's probably one of the guys I'm going with. Gross as it is to say, um, I the way they they spread the ball around Detroit, I don't trust Chart. Um, DJ Moore still hard for me to trust, um, and Deonta Foreman is probably the other way that I'm going. The other player that I'm taking there. Uh, Tyler Boyd again, you know. Uh, now that uh, Jamar Chase is back in the fold, uh, it's hard hard to trust trust Boyd anymore. Yeah, I'd probably throw I'd probably throw DJ Moore in there just because I think that they're going to have to play play catch up with Seattle, and I think he's going to have opportunities. So I'd probably go with Judy and Moore. Which way would you go, Adam? Yeah, Judy and Moore. I mean, I don't think Cortland Sutton's going to play, and I thought I thought Jerry Judy was limited last week, but I think he'll be fine this week and you know the dj Moore sam darnold stuff is undoubtedly real like that there's no doubt that dj Moore is so much better with with sam darnold so yeah i, I would go that way one more question from trey s 
Uh, full PPR start two. Juju, uh, Tyler Boyd, Devin Singletary, Judy, or Rashad White. He has no options outside of Dulcich. Okay, so Ju- Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Boyd, Devin Singletary, Jerry Judy, Rashad White. Uh, start with you, Adam. Uh, pick two. Probably uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and... I haven't seen the Leonard. I haven't had a chance to look at the Leonard Fournette stuff yet. It sounds like he's going to be banged up here. Um, I know they are playing the 49ers, but I, I don't think people realize how often Tampa running backs, no matter who they are, you know, even when like Gio Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn got in there last year, they get an outrageous amount of how high value touches, not, not first and 10 from the 40, which is absolutely meaningless. I'm talking about targets and carries inside the five yard line. And you saw it like the optimal showdown lineup on that Monday night game had both Rashad White and Laren Fournette. You know, it's like these guys, especially in full PPR, I mean, they're just gold. So I didn't get a chance to look at the Fournette stuff, but I, my lean would be uh, Fournette and whatever the first one I said was, I forget. Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I, I'd definitely go Juju there. Um, if Fournette's out, then I'm going with uh, Rashad White. If, um, if, if Fournette and White are both playing, I might go Judy there, but it's close. Yeah, that's. I, I think I would go. I think I would go with with Rashad White and Juju, whether or not Fournette plays or at, or not. I think that Rashad White now has 17 targets his last two weeks. I think he's just a big a big piece of the of the passing game there. Um, it's like Checkdown City now for for Tom Brady. So I I would I would stick with that one. Um, Want to get back at it. We've been talking to a bunch of different guests this week. We've actually had a really full week um, in terms of shows. And one of the biggest topics this week was the the multiple QB injuries, where you had Jimmy Garoppolo going down for the season. Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to miss. We, we're putting it at a guess of three weeks. And then you also have Trevor Lawrence, who might miss. What way would you go, Adam, in terms of Tyler Huntley or Mike White or is there another streaming option you'd prefer to those guys? Kind of which way would you go? Yeah, I mean, for one week, uh, uh, Tyler Huntley. You know, um, I think if you just need one week, you're going to get a rushing floor of 40 to 50 yards in this game from Tyler Huntley. We've seen him be able to feed Mark Andrews before. We've also seen him turn the ball over a ton and be really bad on a per-play basis. We also have the Ravens here with like a 17-point team total or something completely ridiculous I, I think though you get a rushing floor for longer term though I'm not opposed to Mike White man these guys threw the ball 20 freaking times in the first half against the Bears in the rain with Mike White in his first start I you know we bet a bunch of overs on Mike White last week I think market has not responded yet to how throw heavy this team can be with Mike White under center and they have really good weapons so like you're gonna have a guy throwing the ball 35 36 37 times in a game to really good weapons. I think Mike White will be fine. And they have an amazing, amazing playoff schedule. Even I know that one. Uh, yeah. Even I know that the Jets have an amazing fantasy football uh, playoff schedule. Yeah, a lot of best ball bros were like ironically drafting Seattle, New York Jets stacks uh, for the last week of the season. I know JD and I have a, a team like that. Um, but now it's 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 kind of lit. We we do not have Mike White or Geno Smith, but we do have a team like that that's dead. Yeah. Um, but Mike White would be my pick. And uh, I know you brought up the fact that, you know, Huntley had that huge week uh, last year that won somebody a million bucks in DFS. Yeah. But I just think that the Jets offense, I feel a lot, a lot better about it than I do the Ravens. And 369 passing yards, 315 passing yards. 
this Buffalo game is going to be kind of fun. I mean, they're 10 point dogs, but you, I think white could put up a, a lot of passing yards again. Dan, you're on the Mike white train, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get where Adam's coming from. I mean, you know, he's got the DFS mentality where he's looking for that, you know, that maximum score. And I think that's Huntley. But, you know, I, I think if you're looking at it from, uh, you know, just don't don't kill me and give me a decent chance for a good score, um, it's Mike White. You know, the whole Jets offense, like I said last night, just looks really loose with Mike White, White in there, um, a lot more so than they looked with um, – with Zach Wilson, I mean, you know, it just, it just everything is clicking. Everybody seems to be working harder together. It's it's just all falling into place. And uh, so, you know, even against Buffalo, um, I don't think White's a terrible play. Um, I don't think he's the best play in the world, but he's, you know, if you're you're in a pinch at quarterback, uh, I wouldn't shy away from him. Yeah, I think he's you got to treat him as a high a high end QB two based on the passing volume, and I think that he's going to have like like Adam said, I think he's a uh, low-end QB1 type numbers uh, throughout the fantasy playoffs. We, we, we got to hit this here, uh, Theo, before uh, we, we were about to go nuclear if we don't talk about PSM, whatever that is. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to know. <laughs> uh, I can answer, but I don't know. Are kids watching this show? Is this a is this a reference to to the new Q, QB in San Francisco? What is the... Yeah, now this has been going on for a long time. Uh, it, so maybe like... Four years ago or so, three years ago, um, you know, obviously playing DFS, and I only I only play one lineup in cash, you know, for as much as I can get, and so it comes down to some really big tight decisions. And so this was like four years ago, or three years ago, it was uh, AJ Brown and Brandon Cooks were the same price, and I thought about it, and I hemmed, and I hawed, and I, and I played Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks caught zero, uh, zero passes, and AJ Brown went off for like forty points or something, totally ridiculous. And as I'm sitting there. And I lost everything, every every dollar because of this decision. I was thinking, how how could I play Brandon Cooks over AJ Brown when it's so clear that AJ Brown's member is so much bigger than Brandon Cooks? And so that's where the PSM, the penis size model, was uh, formed. You know, when I get into a close spot with two guys, I consult the penis size model and I go with whatever one ranks higher. And so yeah, that the one point oh one will always be AJ Brown. I'll never forget that that uh, AJ Brown Brandon Cooks decision. It's uh, it haunts me and my family to this day. So will you be rocking Big Cock Brock in DFS this weekend? Based on the model, you got to start him. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't think – I wasn't going to play Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And so, like, I don't think Brock is going to be that big of a downgrade for the offense, but I wasn't going to play Jimmy Garoppolo anyways in this spot. So, no, I'm, I'm unfortunately out on, on Big Cock Brock. Out on yeah. Big Cock Brock, okay. Not, um, not even one ceremonial lineup? <laughs> <laughs> Just to say you did? Want to get back to the chat. Um, Jack Colsheen, who's a really, really good high stakes player who I compete against in a few formats. He is looking at Greg Dulcich, George Pickens, Travis Homer, or Raheem Mostert. Uh, nice to have these kind of options, Jack. And this is playing for a $4,000 prize because he's in a main event title game, I'm assuming. Hmm. It's a tough one with a tight end premium. I might lean to Greg Dulcich here. Uh, especially with Cortland Sutton out in a game that they're going to be trailing the entire time. You know, Dolchich's usage has uh, been incredible. Absolutely incredible since he got on the field. Like the best usage in the entire league in terms of how many routes he's running, where he's running them. And he still only had one good game, right? So like, I don't want to overreact to last week. I think Dolchich is, is pretty strong in DFS where he's, 3,400, I'd be kind of hard-pressed to play Dolchich, though, over Travis Homer. That said, you know, the tight end premium stuff, I think 
um, you know, makes a difference. So, yeah. Dan, you're the tight end whisperer. Would you be cramming in an extra tight end here, or are you are you looking to pivot off that? No, my my lean is going uh, homer on this one because I you know I do think he is a good receiver. I think uh, you know, like Adam talked about, he's probably going to pick up four or five targets, and he's going to get uh, you know quite a few rushes. He'll probably get I don't I don't know. I'm guessing he'll probably get 70 percent of the rushing attempts uh, that go to the running backs. So. I think, you know, if Homer gets a touchdown on top of that, I think you're looking at a pretty nice week. Two more start set questions. Ruckus in the chat. DJ Shark, Donovan Peoples-Jones, or Isaiah Pacheco? Maybe start with Dan on that one. Uh, I don't think you can play DPJ right now at all until uh, we see something better out of uh, Watson. Um, and it was Pacheco or who else? Pacheco or DJ Shark then, Dan. Yeah. Um, I don't love any of those. I mean, I guess I guess I'd probably if if you need the big score, I'd lean towards Shark. If you just need to make sure you get about ten points or so, I'd probably go uh Pacheco. Yeah, we, we have Pacheco way ahead, especially in like half PPR stuff. We have Pacheco like significantly ahead. Of those guys, and just because we have Chiefs scoring a lot of touchdowns, and we, they have shown an ability, a, a reasonable run rate around the goal line, and so yeah, it's a bet on touchdown because you know Pacheco's not going to catch very many balls. But again, you know we have the Chiefs scoring a lot of touchdowns here, and so we have Pacheco for for twelve point two in half PPR, and we have Peoples Jones down at eight point three, and and Chark at eight point one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Pacheco um, in a game where I think they're going to hang a number on Denver. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities, and I think he's got a chance to find the end zone. Um, I want to talk about another pair of rookie running backs. We've seen two rookie running backs with really promising usage recently. We've had Zonovan Bam Knight with now two games in a row um, where he's put up over 100 combined yards. Uh, he really looked the part. Uh, he's running very well, and the you know the Jets' offense is is, is certainly uh, looking up and up with him. And then you have James Cook, who has had two of his last three games have been very good. Uh, this past week, he had six receptions. He was uh, second on the on the Bills in targets, I believe, um, and, or right there with Gabe Davis in targets behind Stephon Diggs. What are your thoughts on these two running backs, Adam? I know you and Evan might mention a little bit of the Naheem Hines concerns. Yeah. Um, start with either. Yeah, I, I mean, James Cook was a, I thought, a really good best ball pick in like round 11 or 12. It hasn't worked out. He had some fumbles. He, he hadn't played well. But I think the way they're using him now is like what they intended. I mean, if you remember, they uh, were in the Christian McCaffrey hunt, allegedly. They also had J.D. McKissick before he reneged on them. So like they've been trying to fill this role hard for a while. So I don't think the James Cook thing is like a fluke. I think they're ready to use James Cook. The Naheem Hines thing stinks because if he's going to play on a lot of the passing downs, that's obviously not great. This is not a team that targets running backs at a really high rate uh, either in the past game. Josh Allen's typically much more aggressive down the field. So I, I'm okay on, on James Cook. I don't like, I'm not super, super, super excited about it or anything. Um, but yeah, he projects okay for us this week. We haven't played like 11 points, which is, which is actually pretty decent on the other, uh, on the Jets thing. I think Michael Carter can play man. And like, I think Bam has been great. But I would be surprised if they were like, nope, you got hurt, Michael Carter, and now you're dusted. Like that, that would surprise me. So I think we'll likely project something closer to 55 45 in favor of, of Zonovan. Um, but I think it's going to be close. Maybe we'll project something closer to 50 50, even. I'm not, I'm not sure yet there. 
a follow-up to that would be if you had both rostered, if you had Zonovan Knight and you had Michael Carter on the same roster and you had to start one this week against Buffalo in a game where they're about 10-point dogs, would you go with the pass catcher or would you go with Zonovan? Yeah, I, I think that I would go with the healthier guy. You know, like this ankle stuff always scares me. And, and yeah, I know Michael Carter got off the injury report this week, but I'd still go with the healthier guy. So I, I would go with Zonovan there. Dan, anything to add on those guys? I know we've talked about these guys kind of all week long, but if you if you uh, if you could go with Carter or Knight, which way would you go? Yeah, I think I'd go with Knight there too. Um, you know, it's a little bit tougher on the Buffalo side. You know, it, it, as Adam said, it really sucks that uh, Naheem Hines kind of inserted himself last week. Um, you know, he didn't get a ton of touches, but he was getting a, you know, oh, yeah. he was in on a lot of plays, and you could you could easily see. Um, some more of those touches going towards him. Uh, you know, Cook being a little bit more of the pass catcher, but, uh, you know, Singletary being used a little bit more around the goal line. I mean, it's just kind of turning into a mess in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm, I'm very bullish on on James Cook, but it is a little bit concerning with, with all the other backs involved. Um, I do think that if I'm chasing points in a matchup, um, I would try to get Cook in there because uh, I do think he he has a ceiling. Um, but, yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, hold your breath. One more question in the chat, guys, from Ross uh, Caster. Brandon Ayuk, George Pickens, and, J- and Jamal Williams. Pick one uh, for his second flex in PPR. I know, Adam, you have some strong feelings on George Pickens. Dan and I also used George Pickens in a, in a big spot. It did not work out quite as well as we thought. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think it's all on George Pickens what's going on. Clearly it's not because, you know, Deontay Johnson is also really struggling in yards per route run. There's major quarterback problems. I think Matt Canada is probably in over his head. I'd love to see them make a change there. There's some squeaky wheel stuff going on with George Pickens. He was bitching and, and you know, I don't know how much that matters. It's hard to count out Jamal Williams scoring a touchdown in this spot. Like this is the best game of the week. It's full PPR, so it's harder on Jamal Williams, but I, when the Lions are, you know, fair by two, I actually don't think this game will close. Through. I was actually just talking to David out about that. I think it'll close close to a pick or maybe Vikings by one or something like that. But either way, like this is a spot for Jamal Williams to score a touchdown. It's just what he does. And so I'd probably lean into that. Yeah. hundred hundred percent. I'd go Williams for sure. Uh, I might even go Ayuk over Pickens right now. Yeah, I think I would agree with you on that, Dan. I would go Ayuk ahead of Pickens, and I would try to cram in Jamal Williams. I mean, plus fifty point total, you're gonna you're gonna think he's gonna fall into the end zone at least once. Uh, shout out to Bradley Stadler, a former Goat District guest, actually a recent Goat District guest, and he's got a Mike Evans or Tyler Lockett uh, start sit. Um, I'm going Tyler Lockett. I'll take that one. I, I'm going Tyler Lockett. I feel really confident about Lockett, especially without Ken Walker. Um, I think that, you know, he's been a locked in wide receiver too. I think he's got upside and Mike Evans. I just, I, 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 I don't trust him nearly as much uh, this week as I do Tyler Lockett. Oh, that's not even close. We have, we have Tyler Lockett, like three and a half points ahead of, of Mike Evans, which for anybody who hasn't looked at projections, like three and a half points is, is a massive amount. Um, I will say though that Mike Evans, and this is obviously our projections, like, don't worry about this stuff, but Mike Evans had a touch. If he didn't get interfered with, on that, I don't know if you guys saw it. If he didn't get interfered with on that play, he drew the it was like a 50 yard bomb. Cornerback basically like tackled his arms. Uh, he would have caught it for sure. And so people would be talking differently about Mike Evans today. But even if he had caught that, we'd still have Tyler Lockett ahead here against with Mike Evans playing San Francisco. 
I know which way Dan's going to go on this. Mr. Tyler Lockett up here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Lockett's been totally cooking all year, so uh, hard, to, hard to go away from that. Sticking with the, the Lions, uh, we, we mentioned the Lions-Vikings game uh, with Jamal Williams. Um, they just hung a 40-burger on Jacksonville this past week. They have a huge game. They're hosting Minnesota. They're favorites. Um, Five-win Lions are favorites over the 10-win the ten Vikings. Vegas is telling you a little something there. But I want to focus on DeAndre Swift. We saw a real uptick in usage. Do you think that this was kind of a one-week thing? Or do you think he can be like a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 potentially for the rest of the season? And this was like a turning-the-corner game. And they're going to stick with this sort, this sort of usage. I'll say you know, 15% target share. And I think this was his his uh, highest rushing share in maybe all season. At least since week one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a big question of the DFS late this week too, because he's relatively cheap. He's like 5,800 on draftings, which is full PPR and they're playing the Vikings. And so, um, how much to lean into last week, I think is like one of the questions of the week, uh, how much to lean into Swift's usage last week. I, I don't feel comfortable saying that it's going to be super sticky. Like, I don't think that we can just sit here and say, oh, the corner has been turned. The horse is out of the barn. They're not going to play Justin Jackson at all. Jamal Williams is only going to play uh, like 20 snaps of base work and goal line. I I think that the team has had an issue beyond DeAndre Swift's injuries with him. Like for whatever reason, they just don't like the way he plays very much. We see, I mean, if you like the way a guy plays, you don't play Justin Jackson over him. And I think DeAndre Swift has actually looked really healthy and played really well. So I'm hesitant to say that the corner has been turned and this is Swift's backfield now i wish that it was because honestly like i was on deandre swift as a second round pick in season long full ppr like when it got to me in the second round and swift was there like i was taking him almost every time and obviously that's been a disaster so maybe I, i'm i'm burned but uh, i'm hesitant to say that the it, it's over now and this is swift's backfield I, i'm right there with you adam i i did the same thing pretty much anytime i could get swift in the second round i took him and uh yeah it has been a disaster so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I just don't think that they're they're really committed to him that much. I mean, I think it worked out well for him last week. Could it could definitely happen at some point again in the future? But it, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen every week for sure. I'll, I'll stay a little bit op- optimistic. I think that the that the targets were a step in the right direction, and I think if he can keep the momentum going this week against Minnesota, I think he could keep it up. And also, I want to talk it into existence because. I still have uh, miraculously a few live Swift teams going. Um, yeah. Want to get back to the chat. Uh, 1912 has a really gross question. I didn't want to put it up on the board. But uh, Gabe Davis, uh, Deontay Johnson, or Jacoby Myers, PPR pick one. Uh, Deontay Johnson's questionable uh, this week. So that might – it's one to keep an eye on, 1912. Deontay, Gabe Davis, or Jacoby Myers, Adam? Ah. Uh. I always, in these spots where it's close, play for the most upside, and there's no doubt it's Gabe Davis. I mean, it's a horrible matchup for Gabe Davis, but, like, I, I think people underrate ceiling so much. It's like, give me the guy that can actually win the week for you if you're playing season long, you know? I don't, like, whatever. Deontay Johnson can get me, like, seven points. Like, I understand Gabe Davis can get two, but, you know, like, when Gabe Davis gets 30, you win. So I, I, I think it's Gabe Davis. Dan? Yeah, I, I haven't been... Uh watching the news this afternoon, but Jacoby Myers might not even play, right? Yeah, I think Jacoby's banged up as well. 
So but not, I, I, think, I, think, I think he's more likely to go than not. I know that okay. Devontae Parker this week was added a couple spots because of the, the he's banged up, so it's up in the air. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, it's got to be Gabe Davis there. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, if they're running the ball more in Buffalo, um, if they're doing it out of 12 personnel, then Gabe's still on the field, so. He he's getting he's gonna get his routes no matter what. And it's just a matter of whether uh, Josh Allen hits him or not. Uh getting to a, a little bit more exciting wide receiver question. Um you guys do really good dynasty work at ETR as well. Anthony Amico is gonna be on the GOAT district uh soon. I believe it's next week. Uh this wide receiver class has really been tremendous. This past offseason established the run had Drake London as your rookie wide receiver one overall. How would you go about re-ranking the class, Adam? Um, maybe throw in some guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, and anybody else that, that's really impressed you this season. If you could have them, talking from a dynasty perspective now. Yeah. Uh, I think Watson is a cup below the other guys that you mentioned. Uh, I think London, Wilson, and Olave have already shown that they are big-time NFL wide receivers. And I get that Christian Watson, you know, like – the touchdown rate stuff, it says something, right? It says that you're more athletic than other guys in the field. You're scoring these outrageous 50-yard touchdowns at such a high rate. It's the same thing with Debo Samuel. You see what happened to Debo Samuel this year. It, this touchdown rate stuff is so unsustainable. And so if people are going to get on Christian Watson and say he's better than Drake London or Garrett Wilson or, or Chris Lavi because he scored, you know, seven touchdowns on 30 touches or something ridiculous, to me, to me that's absurd. Um, and also I think, you know, Green Bay is going to have quarterback issues really soon. Not that these other teams don't, but... Uh, yeah, I, I've been so impressed with, with Drake London. It's hard to see it with Drake London because Falcons never throw the ball. But uh, if you isolate Drake London, he's been incredible. Garrett Wilson, obviously, everybody's seeing it with Mike White now. And Chris Olave, despite, you know, Andy Dalton and Jameis and Taysom stuff and all that, Chris Olave has had one of the best years for a rookie in a long time in terms of yards per route run, which is really, really predictive with these rookie wide receivers. So those three guys, to me, are, are, are cut above. And I guess I would have... Drake London first, but I don't feel strongly about it. Like to me, all three of those guys are are in an interchangeable London, Wilson, and Olave. Yeah, we talked about this briefly the other day, Dan. It's uh it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of where those big three slot in terms of dynasty startups. And I'm wait, sure we'll wait, talk about what, the what is with the, the what is with the Burke slander here? Yeah. Where's, where's no, 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 no. You know I'm big Traylon Burke guy. But <laughs> he's I, not I, even I, listed I, there. I mean, come well, on. You first, you know, we can, you can, you can talk him too. Like, I think, you know, Traylon Burks, you know, that was my guy all summer long. I have a ton of Traylon Burks in Dynasty. All the GOAT district listeners know that. Um, I just think that we've seen so much from the, from the big two, I'll say Wilson and Olave, and then London, to me, just, he just looks like a proper alpha. So yeah. I'll throw Burks kind of right there. I think a more interesting offseason question will be, Christian Watson versus Traylon Burks, which is, I think, a trade you can make uh, a lot of places right now. You can get Traylon Burks plus for for uh, Christian Watson, and I think that would be a trade that would probably be the correct one to make, uh, even though it's not giving long. up the most explosive guy in football right now. Yeah, I, I we have Burks pretty clearly ahead of Christian Watson right now in the dynasty stuff. Yeah, it, it, quick story here. I, I had a Bert, uh, bet with a guy. Um, Drake London versus Christian Watson. Fantasy points for the season straight up. I had London. He had Watson. I mean, it could not have gone worse for me. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a tough L. Tough L. It, it, it's just, it's horrible. I mean, you know, it, 
London doesn't get any receptions at all, doesn't even get any targets at all, and Watson gets, you know, like three targets a game and scores two touchdowns. Arthur nice. Smith is Arthur Smith is not getting a holiday card from the GOAT district. That's no, uh, that's for definitely sure. not for me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a really special class and it's um you know one that we're gonna talk about all offseason in terms of dynasty. How about in terms of in terms of redraft? If you could pick one for your like FFPC main event team or an NFFC team, Adam, if you could pick one of Alave, Wilson, or Watson rest of the season. Just redraft. Which one would you go with? Garrett Wilson. I mean, the, the 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 schedule is outrageously soft, and obviously he has a really good connection with Mike White, and they're going to throw it thirty five times a game. I mean, it's easily Watson, uh, easily Garrett Wilson for me. Same. Love that one. Yeah, it's Wilson. We called Wilson a, a league winner a couple weeks ago, Dan. That's that's looking pretty good. He looks like Amon Ross St. Brown Part Two. Yeah. Um, Want to pivot over to the quarterback position? So we've seen such impactful fantasy performances from Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and a lot of their teams are getting through. If you look at like Fantasy Mojo puts out some tremendous uh, a tremendous information in terms of who's getting through for the football guys tournament and the main event, uh, it's something like over 50, 50 out of the top 100 teams had Mahomes or Allen. It's just wild. Do you anticipate this affecting redraft next year, Adam? Like when you guys are doing your rankings for next season and you're drafting in high stakes, like we talked about this with a number of people do you think we're going to see a return to, uh, to like somewhat early QB drafting with the truly elite ones? Yes. Uh, and, and honestly, like the math behind our rankings before the season wanted us to have Allen and Mahomes and all these guys higher. Right. But from a drafting strategic drafting perspective, I still thought, and we still thought that it was right to have Allen and Mahomes and like that. And all the, and we had other guys there too, you know, Lamar, we had high and in like the third or fourth, fifth round range, the math would have said, you know, second round or first round, I think it's showing itself more this year. My only uh, flip side of the coin take on that is like, we got Jalen Hurts in round seven and round eight a ton. We got Justin Fields in round round 12 and 13 a ton. It doesn't mean like you need a dual threat quarterback or someone who throws the ball 45 times a game like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like you need that clearly. Can Does it mean that you can't get it later anymore? We'll see what the market thinks. But like to me, Hurts was the absolute best target at quarterback because he gave you that rushing equity. You can get him in, in round seven or eight. Obviously no one thought he could do what he's doing this year, which is absolutely insane, especially as a thrower. But yeah, you know, and like taking shots on, on fields in round, you know, 11 or 12, like to me, that stuff is still the bread and butter at quarterback. But yeah, it, the gap between the best quarterbacks and pocket sloss has never been wider. In other words, you used to be able to get away with like Kirk cousins in round 12 and you can make it. You can't do that anymore. I mean, you're just like dead when you're playing the Josh Allen teams and and the Mahomes teams and the Hurts teams and all that stuff. So, yeah, I do think that next year we will see round two Josh Allen. And mathematically, it's it's probably right, to be honest. Yeah, we we I agree with you. I think that like in in NFFC, I think we could see the Josh Allen teams living in the second round, um, especially with the six point passing touchdowns. I think in FFPC, though, I think you'll see you know, kind of those those top three quarterbacks go in, in the third round. Um, and then I think that, you know, you bring up a couple of the, the next few guys, I think they'll get kind of dragged into the fourth, and then you'll see a gap where people don't draft them, kind of like tight end is treated. Dan, what are you thinking with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's all going to be a matter of how you want to construct your team. Uh, the advantage to taking the quarterbacks that early is they're, they're much less likely to bust than some of the other players you might take early. 
Um, you know, but if you take a quarterback that early, you're also passing up on, you know, potentially a really big time wide receiver or running back or even tight end. And, you know, so you're, you're going to have to hit further down in your draft, no matter what. And so it just kind of all depends on how you're comfortable building your team. Uh, you know, cause as, as Adam said, you know, there's always the Jalen Hurts, you know, and, and, uh, Justin Fields that come later in the draft and, and really up until this year, We've had quite a few years where you could get by, you know, as, as he was saying, with a Kirk Cousins or something like that. Um, you know, it, to me, it's just kind of like a little bit of a down year for both quarterbacks and tight ends in that, you know, the once you get past the cream, the rest of it is just not very good. Um, but a lot of times those, those kind of things tend to reverse themselves after a year or two. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be scared off by not, taking that early quarterback, but I'll also make sure I definitely have some, uh, you know, Josh Allen and Mahomes builds too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're a volume drafter, I think Dan nailed it. I think that, you know, building your team's different ways, but uh, it's just been so impactful this year. And a lot of times we see kind of an overcorrection because people don't want to get burned on that again. So I think next year it's going to be extremely wide receiver heavy at the start of the high stakes drafts. And then I think you'll see the QBs kind of going off the board. It'll be very interesting to see those early drafts. And again, we'll be in a few of those early uh, best balls kind of before you know it. Uh, shout out uh, in the chat, best bell fantasy, Bradley Stadler. Are we firing up Mike Williams coming back off of re-aggravation of his ankle? He's been a full go in practice and he has the strong matchup. I'd be hard pressed to think you have someone better to play than Mike than Mike Williams, but yeah, the high ankle sprain has been like one of the most consistently bad injuries to play guys off of because guys think they can do it. It's not like an ACL or anything else where like, oh, I'm out. It's like it's it's like they come back and it's often too early. And we saw that with Mike Williams. He came back and he aggravated again. So certainly some risk there, but I'd be surprised if you had someone better than Mike Williams to play here. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting if I if I have him. I mean, it'd be hard to hard to keep him on the bench. Uh, Dan, you're you're rocking Mike Williams. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to give into the recency bias. And, you know, really a lot of times when somebody does go out with a a high ankle sprain, they come back and they they get injured again. You know, it's not necessarily on the first or second play of the game. You know, you could get a half game or more of Mike Williams and sometimes a half game of Mike Williams is all you need. We had one question in the chat I'm not even going to put up, but it was from uh, Kevin Wheeler uh, of the 33rd team. And he put up, do you think that Samaje Piran's success when they have Mixon and Pirine healthy together, do you think Pirine's done enough to kind of cut into Mixon's workload? Uh, you guys are hitting on all the hot button DFS issues. One of the biggest questions in the slate this week is Joe Mixon and and how much he's going to lose to Pirine. I think that the rhetoric out of Cincy is kind of meaningless, right? Oh, Joe Mixon's the starter. Yeah, no shit. Of, co- of course, Joe Mixon's the starter. That's not what we're asking. We're asking is, Will he lose a series? Will he lose two series and a half? Will he lose uh, third and four? Because he was playing on third and four for a while. Pirine was coming in on like third and six plus. So I think Pirine did enough to take some, but this matchup is so good for Mixon. I still think I'm going to end up playing Mixon, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't scared that I'm going to like turn the game on and we have a Pirine series, you know, because that, that I think that's, he's earned it. I mean, but Pirine was better in these two games that Mixon missed. Piran was better than Mixon's been for most of the year, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, Piran was was so impactful. We always talk about, like, stashing the handcuffs to catch, that are able to catch passes. And, uh, you know, he showed it. I just worry about, like, 
what you said, it could end up being some series where he ends up vulturing a potential score and it kind of ruins it. Um, Dan, your thoughts on the P. Ryan Mixon split? Yeah, I'm definitely more concerned about P. Ryan uh, ruining Mixon than I am about P. Ryan having standalone value. Um, you know, I think he might do just enough to ruin Mixon and not really do enough to really help you out a ton. So, yeah, uh, yeah, t- tough deal there, but uh, hope- hopefully. Uh, you know the variance just kind of favors Mixon, and he he gets what he needs to uh, to make his fantasy owner successful. So we we're reaching uh, over fifty minutes here. Adam's been very generous with his time, and, and we've sprinkled in a little bit of dynasty. Uh, we got a little DFSy, um, and we even got a little best ball-y in this show. But this is a redraft show, mm. and we need Adam Levitan's lead winners. Give us some guys that are maybe off the radar here, uh, Adam. Maybe some wide receiver twos or threes, maybe some running back twos or threes, and maybe a tight end uh, that you see impacting, you know, fantasy championships. The first one that comes to mind is David Njoku, who um, I think is going to be back this week and gets Deshaun Watson back. Now, Deshaun Watson was worse than Joey Brissett, there's no doubt, in his first game back. Will he continue to be absolutely awful and fall on his face? I don't think so. And so David Njoku, who's been battling ankle and knee issues, it's not great. Seems like he's healthy now. I saw some people like drop him, which I thought was crazy uh, in some leagues. I'm sure not in high stakes. But um, yeah, I think David Njoku's profile, athleticism and usage standpoint at the tight end position has at least a chance to be difference making down the stretch. Uh, I'm not um, sure exactly on their schedule. Um Beyond that, I think Darren Waller could come back. I don't want to focus too much on tight ends here, but Darren Waller can come back, and obviously, like, he can make a difference at tight end. Um, also, we already talked about the Garrett Wilson one. Like, for sure, Garrett Wilson is a league winner, it seems. Uh, Ramondre, I know, is like – I mean, everybody's on Ramondre, but uh, very clearly Ramondre's role in the pass game and his role in the run game when Damian Harris is out is so ridiculous. He's got the Kamara role right now. It's ridiculous, his role. So, so yeah, I'm a little frustrated. Reminder's not even on the main slate this week. He had that Monday night game, and so uh, that sucks. But, yeah, uh, yeah, those are some guys that come to mind. Sorry I didn't prepare better for that one. No, 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 that's, those are some good names. And, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson's a name that's been uh, spoken by a lot of people. Uh, you're, you're one of the first people that brings up Najoku, so I think that's a really good one. Um, Adam, why don't you remind everybody where they can find your, find your podcasts and, and uh, when you're recording and when you're dropping them? Yeah, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, we, we are uh, we put all our shows on YouTube, and that's all free. Establish the Run, uh, uh, Establish the Run podcast feed is also free, and then you can come to the site. Uh, most of the stuff there requires a subscription on the site. We do have projections for every player uh, in every game, and you know I think if you combine that with some of the shows and Silva stuff, I know a lot of people have start sick questions for their season long, and I think hopefully uh, we can help you make make the right call there with your with your start sick for season long. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Dan, any parting words? No, man, this has been a lot of fun uh, having Adam on here. I love getting the, the kind of DFS-y insight uh, to the, the upcoming slate. Uh, something I always appreciate because, you know, sometimes I get my head too deep in the season long and, uh, you know, I kind of lose sight of the, the particular matchups. And so Adam always brings that back for me. So appreciate that. Yeah, yeah it's, we, it's, a, it's imagine having access to the entire player pool, guys. Instead of just looking at the guys on your team, you can pick anyone in any game in the entire player pool. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, we're looking we're looking forward to uh, for for a, when we have Chad Schroeder back on, we're gonna we're gonna maybe get it, encourage him to go up against you at one week in uh, in a high stakes head to head. 
Uh, we'll DFS match up next year too. Sounds good. Yeah, awesome. you got to you got to see if you can maybe get Chad into a, you know like a kind of a DFS uh, season long kind of contest where you guys do a he, one DFS every week and then uh, he's have the good season at long he's week. very good at DFS, but he doesn't yeah. do DFS NFL because he's got too many teams. Well, that's the point, that, and that was kind of the point that he was making that it's hard to be both. He was like, yeah, he, he said, you know, I'm sure the DFS guys, the guys that are playing high stakes and and you know playing professionally, I'm sure that they would win in season long, but it's hard to do both, right? It's hard to concentrate on. 200 season long teams and also play high stakes DFS. You kind of have to choose uh, one or the other. And so, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that for sure. I mean, it's really hard for sure. Yep. That's awesome. Well, well, good luck to you, Adam, uh, with your teams. I hope you close it out. Well, keep putting out uh, fire at establish a run and tune in next week. We're gonna have another loaded week in the goat district. Everybody have a great weekend.